Namo Myoho Renge Kyo, Namo Myoho Renge Kyo, Namo Myoho Renge Kyo. Hi everyone, I hope this finds you in good health and secure. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice, yes. Um, and in that regard, as always, thank you for your support, liking and subscribing. It's a Bodhisattva act as it helps the algorithms on YouTube present this resource to more people. And that's propagation, yeah. So, some of you have asked about, hey, what's up with your little puppy? How's, how's she looking? Um, and I don't want to impede this resource with that kind of personal information all the time. So, uh, but I think it's sweet and thank you for asking. I mean, I presented her to you as our, our new member, <laughs> our new member, our new uh, personality. But anyway. I am going to, and I have, uh, uploaded some recent pictures on Instagram. I, I'm not a big social media person other than propagating uh, this transmission of Nietzsche's doctrine of Shakyamuni Buddha's Lotus Sutra. But, you know, these kind of, we are human after all. So, <laughs> so yeah, I have an Instagram account. Uh, and uh, I have some of my photography on there, and certainly I'll start putting occasional pictures of uh, Jewel on there for those of you who are interested. In the meantime, uh, one other piece of news. I finally got a print copy of the, the large format uh, Lotus Sutra that I've been working on my own translation of. Um, it's kind of, I like the large book because it's, it's nice to study with. There's some blank pages and you know, a lot of a lot of room to highlight the prints nice and big, so uh, people my age can read it without getting four pairs of binoculars on. Um, I don't know what that trend is, but it drives me crazy. Anyway, uh, you heard me read uh, from the forward that I wrote for this book. There's also a six by nine uh, hardcover version that uh, I'll I'll start talking about more. It's available now, but it's available in the curtain current artist-proof form. I want to go through this book one more really good time, reading through this copy and finding little errors like I did in the forward. Uh, it wasn't much, but it's something. And I'd like to remove as many, whether they're typos or they're just redundancies in my own, uh, um, you know, it comes out of my writing as well. So I want to catch as much of that as I can. And then I'll get a nice hard copy uh, to keep here as reference. So thank you for all your support in that. Today, we're going to discuss demons. <laughs> um, demons come up a lot in different ways uh, throughout our reading of the Lotus Sutra and many, many sutras. Um, I won't go through every single demon because that's a whole course in itself. But um, I have an entry here in the new uh, Buddhism reference book, uh, volume two. Of course, now I've decided to just meld both volume one and two together. Uh, if you're a patron, uh, you've probably already gotten a cop PDF copy of the book as it is um, because you're patrons and I just feel like uh, I need to thank you and give you something for beyond this resource for your just to thank you and and thank you again. Um, links in the description, right? Anyway, um, Mara is the great overlord of all these demons. And I think a really, just before I read this, I'll just say, 
if you're a student of Nietzschean doctrine, at some point you've studied the Ten Worlds, more often called the Ten Realms outside of certain schools. Um, part of the 3,000 realms that uh, Zhi or Tindai uh, and Nietzschean talk about um, quite a lot. Uh, so one way, I think a helpful way to think about demons, we think about worlds as, you know, mind spaces that we're in, right? Uh, and they, you know, as you know, 3,000 realms in a single thought moment, they are flying around. The ones that we seize upon have to do with our tendencies, uh, our karma, right? Um, and so you could think of the demons as the samsaric influences, those realms that are of the uh, more related to the physicalness of being. So Mara being of this mundane world is kind of the the big umbrella term for all of these demons. Some demons, just because they're called demons, that's that's the word that's been chosen to represent them. They are, you could call them forces of nature, right? Because nature is a product of the physical cosmos. Hmm? And so these demons are not always bad. Like the, uh, the, the dragons, the uh, nagas, right? From under the, the sea serpents. Uh, they do a lot of protecting as well, right? They were converted. There's long stories about all this. I'm going to hit on some of the main ones that we hear all the time, but keep in mind that these demons are kind of those samsaric influences that plunge us into those realms, those 10 worlds that you know so well. Hmm? Like what, what gets you into the world of hunger, right? Right away, you're thinking of things in the physical world. Well, those things in the physical world are the attractions, the attachments, the demons that propel you into those realms. Make sense? All right, so let's get into it. Demons. By no means an exhaustive list, as I said. The following is a list of a few common demons associated with Mara, which is also uh, described in this book, says see below that are mental forces encumbering our efforts to awaken Buddha. This is always, and this is why they're ultimately called demons in English anyway, uh, probably in many other Western languages, uh, because anything that's evil or demon or, or bad, if you will, in uh, Buddhist uh, storytelling is bad for the reason that it impedes our enlightenment. That's it. You're either enlightened or something's in your way. Okay? Yaksas. We hear yaksas all the time. Yaksas, yakshasas, yak, uh, yakshini, or yaksi, some form of this word. The yakshas in Sanskrit, uh, Romanized yaksa, Pali yakka, uh, are a broad class of nature spirits, usually benevolent, but sometimes mischievous or capricious, connected with water, fertility, trees, the forest, treasures, and wilderness. Not, not too specific, is it? So that weird state of attraction that enamors you, yeah? Which, yeah, can lead you, <laughs> can feel good, but often can lead you astray, yes? They appear in Hindu, 
in Jain and Buddhist texts, as well as ancient and medieval era temples of South Asia and Southern A uh, Southeast Asia as guardian deities. The feminine form of the word is Yaksi or Yakshini. Um, and in Hindu, Jain, and Buddhist texts, the Yaksas has a dual personality. This is a, a chronic aspect of Indian mythology, right? Like um, Shiva Shakti, the, the god that's uh, male and female, has a male and female side, you know? Even if you study Kabbalah, you'll learn that Adam, quote-unquote Adam of the, of the Judeo-slash-Christian origins, um, was a double-sexed entity. It was split into a male and female to enter the Garden of Eden, and that's a whole other story, right? Christians don't talk about that much. But again, uh, there's this duality of being, of humanness, of, right, samsara. On the one hand, a yaksa may be an inoffensive nature fairy associated with the woods and mountains, but there is also a darker version of the yaksha, which is a kind of a ghost, or buddha, buddha, not da, buddha, that haunts the wilderness and waylays and devours travelers, similar to the raksasas, which we'll talk about momentarily. The raksasas. Uh, in Hindu mythology, a type of demon or goblin, Raksasas have the power to change their shape at will and appear as animals, as monsters, or in the case of the female demons, <laughs> as beautiful women. Why, of course they would. Because <laughs> it isn't the woman, is it, that we're talking about when we're talking about demons. It's not, she's just a female, right? But those attractions, those strange inner motivations that take hold of you, that's Raksasas. Follow? And what realm you would end up in there, well, it's a combination of many, isn't it? They are most powerful in the evening. Why wouldn't they be? Particularly during the dark period of the new moon. But they are dispelled by the rising sun. This is the oldest folklore in the world, whatever country uh, humans developed in, right? The nighttime's always scary, and the daytime gets rid of the shadows and the a lot of the fears. Even remember the Egyptians, they worshiped the god Ra, the sun god, right? Praying that the sun would rise again as the sun god navigated the sun away over the horizon, and the next day would bring it back, right? <laughs> so. Um, <clears throat> let me continue here. They especially detest sacrifices and prayer. Well, me too. <laughs> Most powerful among them is their king, the ten-headed Ravana. Uh, Putana, interesting word, a female demon. <laughs> this is history, folks. Is well known for her attempt to kill the infant Krishna by offering him milk from her poisoned breast. She was, however, sucked to, uh, sucked to but death by the god, whatever god. Not all rasasas are equally evil. Oh, thank goodness. Some are more akin to yakshas or yaksas, uh, nature spirits. 
while others are similar to Ashuras. Ooh, we'll talk about them. The traditional opponent of the gods. Now, what would an opponent of the gods be in Buddhism? Anything that prohibits you from practicing your enlightenment. It's a simple formula. The term Raksasa, however, generally applies to those demons who haunt cemeteries, eat the flesh of men, <laughs> women, and drink the milk of cows dry, as if by magic. Mm, makes you think twice about using powdered milk, yeah? <laughs> they are vigorously depicted in uh, uh, Rajasthani paintings, uh, illustrating the Ramayana, oh, romance of Rama, the, the canons of uh, the sculpture in, instruct the artist to carve them with a terrifying appearance, complete with fearful side tusks, ugly eyes, curling awkward brows, and carrying a variety of horrible weapons. Oh, reminds me of many women I know. Just kidding. Kumbandas, uh, Kumbandas. Uh, or Kumbanda Pari, is one of the group of dwarfish, misshapen spirits among the lesser deities of Buddhist mythology. Kumbanda uh, was a dialectical form of gourd, so that uh, they may get their name from being thought to resemble gourds in some way, in having uh, big stomachs. But Kumbanda can also be interpreted as pot egg, since egg, anda, was a common euphemism for testicle. The uh, Kumbandas were imagined having testicles as big as pots. Uh, fertility uh, plays a big role here in early civilizations, doesn't it? Yeah, we can all agree. Uh, the Kumbandas are... The terms Kumbanda and Yaksa are sometimes used for the same person. A Yaksa in these cases is more general term, including a variety of lower deities. The Kumbandas are classed among the Katurmaharajika deities and are subject to the great king Virudaka, guardian of the south. One of their chiefs is called Kumbira. According to the Da Zidu Lun, Greedy officers are reborn as kumandas. Well, why wouldn't they be? That old reincarnation trick. Pisakas. Pisachas, or pisakas, are flesh-eating demons in dharmic religions. Appearing in Hindu and Buddhist mythologies, a, pischa, a pisacha is a malevolent being that has often been referred to as the very manifestation of evil. I'm thinking uh, addictions. Prityas, hmm? uh, a class of evil beings, sorcerers, people like the drug dealer that would involve you, that would entice you to uh, the pisakas, yeah? Putanas, oh, a delicious term. If you're Italian, I apologize. We're talking about ancient Indian mythologies here. In Hinduism, Putana, literally putrefaction, is a Rakshasi demoness who was killed by the infant god Krishna. Putana, or Putana, disguises as a young, beautiful woman and tries to kill the god by breastfeeding poisoned milk. 
However, Krishna sucks her milk as well as her life via her breasts. Oh. Putana is also considered a foster mother of Krishna. Hmm. As she breastfed him, by offering her milk, Putana has performed the supreme act of maternal devotion. In the shadow of her evil motives, the legend is told and retold in Hindu scriptures and some Indian books which portray her variously as an evil hag or as a demoness who surrendered herself to Krishna, though she initially came with evil motives. Putana is intrepid as an infantile disease or bird, symbolizing danger to an infant or disease respectfully, uh, respectively, and even as a symbolic bad mother. She is included in a group of malevolent uh, Hindu mother goddesses called the Matrikas, and also in the group of Yoginis and Granihinis, Caesars, uh, Caesars as in seizing, Ancient Indian medical uh, texts prescribe her worship to protect children from diseases. A medical. Wow. A group of multiple Patanas is mentioned in ancient Indian texts. All right. Enough on that. Uh, Vetalas. Another one you'll read in a series, right? Uh, a Vetala or Vetada. Um, is a class of beings in Hindu mythology. They are usually defined as knowledgeable, fortune-telling, pa uh, paranormal entities said to be dwelling at the carnal grounds. The Vitala or Vitala is comparable to the vampires of Western mythology. Reanimated corpses are used as vehicles by these spirits for movement. A Vitala may possess and leave a dead body at will. So, I don't think we need to go into the entire list of demons. I think you get the picture. As long as you remember that these are the natural samsaric attractions, influences, that plunge us is, plunge us, plunges us into <laughs> uh, various realms of experience, of being. To be addicted. Hmm? You first have to be attracted to addiction. And if you're attracted to addiction, that attraction comes from tendencies in your karmic stream. Yes? So the more we chant Namo Myorengeko, the more we cleanse that stream, we take that tendency and we change it toward life-affirming, enlightenment-affirming tasks. Get addicted to Buddhahood, so to speak. Yes? All right. Uh, next, we'll talk about Dengyo or Saicho. Uh, there's a brief... Oh, no, there's a pretty good... Yeah, we'll talk about Dengyo for... There's not a lot out there uh, to discuss Dengyo. Uh, probably most of what you'll find is what uh, Nitrin says. So I have a pretty lengthy entry in here. That should make for uh, uh, an interesting video in light of our um, Nietzsche practice. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Please take care of your health so you can keep your practice strong. Don't forget all the links in the description to the website, to the bookstore, to the mandala store, so on and so forth. Um, and patrons, of course, Patreon. Uh, go see pictures of uh, Jewel on Instagram if you like. <laughs> anyway, take care of your health, please. And uh, I will see you 
in the next one. Indubitably. Bye for now.